Good evening. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 14. What we're going to be talking about is all about helping a brother or sister that is weaker in their faith or weaker in their relationship, however you want to take that. So Romans chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. In the flesh, if you eat only vegetables, you might be a little weak too. But here it's talking about accepting those who are weaker in the faith, not so that we can debate with them or talk with them about things that don't really matter. That's really what those doubtful things are. Those things that don't really matter, we are to receive them in with the idea of helping our weaker brother or sister in Christ. That's what we're called to do. Uh, and sometimes we do well at it and sometimes we don't. And we have a responsibility not just to study and mature in the faith for ourselves, but to help those who are weaker in the faith as well. It is not simply about me, myself, and I, nor is it about uh, my four and no more. This is about helping those who may be, they may be weaker in the faith, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, they may be weaker in the faith simply because they've only been a Christian for a little while. But that is not always the truth. Sometimes people can be in the faith or a Christian for a long time and they never really mature or continue to grow. They reach a point maybe of salvation, maybe a little, uh, little a few other things, but they kind of stalemate. It's our responsibility to urge Christians who aren't mature in the faith to continue to grow in the Lord. Not talk about them, not make fun of them, but urge them along. Pray with them, pray for them. Ask them to be in a Bible study. Ask them uh, to be in a Sunday school class. We still have those. There's many churches that don't, but I believe whatever format is that we can learn the Bible, it's a great thing whether it's Wednesday night Bible study or Sunday morning or another small group setting, however that might be. So receive one who is weak in the faith. And Paul is being serious about this. It's a part of our spiritual maturity as well to help people grow in fellowship and relationship with the Lord. When Paul's talking about a Christian who is weaker in the faith, he's not just talking about someone who is rebellious. Sometimes people just don't know better. Haven't been raised in church, maybe. Don't, uh, ha don't have experience uh, a lot with Christians or with churches and church settings. And we're, It's not about, that word weak is not talking about necessarily rebellious, but uh, just not as strong in the faith. One thing that Paul would, have, would say in, a, in another book is that I would like to teach you a little deeper and a little further, but he said this at one of the churches, not just, you know, not just an individual, 
but you're not ready for it. You, I'd like to give you some meat. I like to say meat and taters, you know. I'm saying that's some down home kind of cooking that puts some strength in your body, pumps some weight on your body too. But anyway, they they weren't ready for that, and so that's what Paul uh, was saying. So. Let me just ask you, what's a reason why a Christian might be weak in their faith? Okay, lack of studying the Bible? Intent? Maybe they had something negative or bad happen in their life and they just kind of shut down? You know, our emotions can do that to us. Uh, if you're not healthy emotionally, uh, you're not going to grow like you ought to in the world. Maybe they're new, like we said. They're, they're a baby in Christ. I would love to have a house full of baby Christians because that's what we're called to do is to disciple them, to grow them. And so, you know, but I need some help and I've got some folks who are mature in Christ and uh, so that would be exciting. Emotion, circumstances, too legalistic, too dogmatic. That, that can cause you to be stunted in your growth. If, if you read your Bible as purely a list of do's and don'ts, you're headed down a wrong path because it's about relationships. Now, when you grow in the faith, you're gonna, some things you're going to do, new things you're going to do that you weren't doing before, some of the old things that you were doing, uh, you're going to give them up. But it's not purely, the Bible is not just about this formula of do this and don't do that. What about study of the Bible? Wouldn't that, if you don't or haven't done much? So it could be either lack of teaching or incorrect teaching. Because there are some, some places that teach that the gifts of the Spirit, some, of, some are not active and some are, and a lack of good teaching, they also may lack exercising their faith. Think about that. This is a wonderful setting. Rivers of wisdom and knowledge flow from the Word of God, but if you don't do anything with it, what happens to a pond that has no outlet? Stagnant. And you quit growing. Part of growing in the faith is witnessing Reaching out to people, uh, that's just as much a part of it as reading your Bible and prayer and study and all those kinds of things. What did James say? Faith without works is dead. Lack of trust. If you don't trust the Lord, you'll never do anything by faith. And without faith, it's what? Impossible to please the Lord. God's got a calling on your life. God wants to use you. You are a child of the King. All those kinds of things. And if you have such a negative view of yourself, that's going to hinder your growth. The Bible also says you shouldn't have too high of an opinion of yourself either. That can cause you to not mature in the faith like you ought to. One of the things of maturity is knowing God's voice. Another thing we got to know. Because 
uh, it says, my, my sheep will know my voice. You know, follow me. If you feel stalemated and feel like you're not growing, it's not God's fault, that's all I'm going to say. So, Paul talks here about a person who eats only vegetables. They refuse to eat meat. There are a couple reasons why they may have refused to eat meat. Now, this is not a subject that you typically encounter in our day. You may occasionally. But they had refused to eat meat because they feared that it had been offered to an idol, a pagan god of some sort. You can find you can find a reference to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You might have ran across that in reading your Bible. Uh, the other reason why they may have refused to eat meat, remember a good law-following Jew is not going to eat something that is not kosher. Very strict dietary regulations and traditions. Let me tell you, they if they are devout, they will not break them. I went on a cruise with a very devout Jewish couple. I mean, I was eating high on the hog, as they say. They had their little kosher meal. I'm not doubting that. I'm saying they're very devout. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why uh, Paul here is talking about they may refuse to eat meat. In Paul's day, some Christians didn't see anything wrong with eating the meat, but there were some who did. That's why he's talking about this. But he's going to lead into some things and talking about how this is a depicts sometimes whether we're weak or strong in faith, these kinds of things. So he said, he who is weak eats only vegetables. So in Paul's mind, who is the weak one is the one who is actually has a stricter thought pattern. Why does he say that? It wasn't that they're weaker in their Christian life because of what they ate, ate or didn't eat. It was because they were so legalistic in their attitudes and their lack of love for other people. Those are things that Paul's pointing out here about those who, now not, maybe not all of them were this way, but those who said, I can't eat anything but vegetables. They were extremely legalistic. You've got to remember that Paul was one of these people. Here's Peter there, and it's the Lord, and Peter said, and the Lord says, get up and eat. What? Paul would have been had the same kind of background and now he's coming to realize that what God's called clean, is clean. If the Lord lays it on your heart to sustain from something, whether it's a type of food or a type of activity or whatever, you better not do it. If he says don't do it. Don't break your conscience. Yes, it is. Uh, don't break your conscience but also, don't look down on other people who don't do that. Unless the Lord has said it is a sin, then it is a choice of conscience. That's what Paul's talking about here. Not a choice of right and wrong, but a choice of conscience. Can I eat this? Can I not? It might be a point of a test of the Lord. 
that he says, don't do this. Those are things like that. There are things that are a matter of our conscience, a matter of does the Lord dealt with you in that. I, I, and feel however you may, uh, some people uh, would not go into a restaurant that had a bar in it because that's a, a problem for them. Family issues or personal struggles with that, but in, the, in light of that, that person also should not look down on people who have a freedom to do that. But we're going to talk about the other side of it a little bit. Uh, what's Paul saying here? The weaker brother is the stricter one because Paul was seeing an attitude of legalistic attitudes and possibly a lack of love for others. Uh, verses 3 through 4. Uh, and what we're going to find in this, and this is one of those, I'm just going to say it because it's in your questions, but judging our brother is inappropriate because we're not their master. I goes judging your brother or sister is not uh, appropriate. Now, let me clarify this. The Bible does say that we will know a person by their fruits. It's not what this is talking about. This is a general thing of saying, don't get in the habit of judging everybody because you're not their master. This is an overall general statement here. Uh, so let's read the, those verses. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. That's going back to verse 22. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. So either, either side of this coin that Paul's looking at should be judging each other. For God has received him. Received both. Who are you to judge another servant? We're servants of the Lord. To his own master, he stands or falls. The Bible says that we are to work out our own salvation. How? Fear and tremble. Why, is, why are we to work out our own salvation? It's a personal relationship. There are things that are sin and sin. But there are also things that are a matter of conscience and uh, having maybe uh, something with the Lord between you and the Lord that you're just not going to do that. But we're not to judge because God has received them. We're not to judge because we're all God's servants. Don't pass judgment on a fellow Christian because just like you, one day they'll stand before the Lord and they'll have to give an account of their actions and those kinds of things. Now, as a Christian, when we stand before the Lord, it's not a matter of you're going to heaven or you're not. It's not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of what have you done with what I've given you and the opportunity that I've given to you. God really does care, with, care about what you do and do not do with the opportunities and the time that he gives you. There's nothing in the Bible that says we're to be lazy. Anyway, I've been guilty at times of being lazy, uh, and the Lord will deal with you when he, whenever you are, right? Jump on down to verses 5 and 6. So that, that section was about don't judge others. It's inappropriate to do so because we're 
you're not their master. We're not their master. The second section is judging our brother or sister is inappropriate because some things or these things are a matter of conscience. So Paul, so Paul's going to say in these next few verses. So let's read verses five through six. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. So here's one person, you know, they're celebrating special days, they're doing all these things, and then another one that says, every day is the same. Let each be fully convinced in where? In his own mind. If you're not convinced in your own mind, then either don't do it or do do it, depending upon what you're looking at. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord. He does not observe. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. Paul's talking about these principles of uh, are there things that God has said, don't do this for you, but maybe for somebody else. Uh, when I was a young man, uh, I had an older person tell me that if I didn't have the same standards and morals as them, and do everything exactly like them, then I was wrong, and they were right. I mean, they literally told me that. And even at 18, I knew that wasn't right. Uh, because here it's saying that God, had, there's certain things that, yes, they're absolutes. Uh, sin is sin. Uh, there are things that are a matter of conscience. Then there are also things that the Lord may lay upon you that he don't lay upon me, or vice versa. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So, Paul is going to leave it up to the conscience of the individual in certain circumstances. Whatever we do, do it to the Lord. You ever heard that? If you're going to work, work as unto the Lord. If you're going to serve, serve like you serve the Lord. If you're going to teach, Teach as unto the Lord. You're going to preach, preach as unto the Lord. You're going to teach a Sunday school class, do that as unto the Lord. How, whatever it is that God, if you walk, if you're uh, uh, part of security, do it as unto the Lord. If you are a door greeter, do it as unto the Lord. There's no little and big jobs in the kingdom. We're all important. Let's look at the next. Uh, three verses, verses 7 through 9, because they support this thought that we live and we die to the Lord. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. We're not an island unto ourselves. I mean, I remember. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Live or whether we die, we are doing that unto the Lord. I heard an interesting passage today as I was listening in the book of Mark. Jesus is telling the Sadducees, and by the way, this is a really simple way of remembering which sect of the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and which did not? The 
Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not because they were sad, you see, because there was no resurrection. When you, when you look at that, and Jesus told them that he was getting on with them not, about not believing in the resurrection. It's in the end of Mark. And he says, he basically says, go look at the Old Testament. And God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? And Jesus says he's a God of the living. And so, but even when we die, we're still living if we're children of God, right? John 14 tells us. Everything, what's this tell us? Everything we do, we do it, we do it as if we're Lord. Everything. All right, look at Romans 14, 10 through 12. So, so far, Paul has said, don't judge because you're not anybody's master. Second thing he said, don't judge because some things are a matter of conscience. And now, now Paul is going to say that judging your brother is inappropriate because we're all going to have a time that we face judgment before Jesus. Every one of us. Every one of us. Verses 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I don't get to be there when God judges you. I'm glad you don't get to be there when God judges me. Because <laughs> that, that's a personal matter, isn't it? And so God uh, will judge us, and each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. The judgment of a sinner is hell, number one, but they're also, he's judging between whether or not they're a sheep or a goat. We're already sheep. We're already a part of God's fold. Here it is an account that we give to the Lord. Now, let me pull in a parable. Remember the parable of the talents? So when the master came back, the one who had five talents, he said, what did you do with what I gave you? He said, well, I took it and I invested it, and uh, now it's ten. The Lord said, hey, well done. Then you come to the one with two. I did the same thing, Master. I, I invested, I did all these things with it, and now it's full. The Lord said, good, that's awesome. You know, I'm mean, paraphrasing, but, but then what about the one who, who buried it? He took it away from him, and the end of that says, cast him into outer darkness. There's the differences in your judgment. Uh, I might not have had as many opportunities as you did, or vice versa. But what have you done? See, he didn't give all of the people in that account, he didn't give them all the same. Why? So, and, and their resources and their abilities were different. Their gifts were different. The one that didn't, Jesus said, hey, if you had just took this to the bank, you at least got made some interest on it. 
there would have been a little bit of problems. We know that this is talking about money in the parable, but it's also talking about literal talents, gifts, skills, abilities, callings that God has placed upon our life. And when God puts a call on your life, there's a responsibility to that. And so, but that's the difference. It's not about the soul. It's about uh, the, the world. I mean, there's a requirement to, to live for the Lord. There is a responsibility to live like you're his child. I, I don't quit being a child just because I've messed up. Now, I can, this is my opinion. I believe I can walk away from the Lord and never look back. It's not God who walked away, it's me. If you ask me, I will tell you that God is more merciful than we can possibly imagine. And that it is harder to get out of his hand that holds on to us than what we can imagine. Move on to verse 13. And what this, this is a summary. I've been trying to go back and tell you, don't judge because of this, don't judge because of that, don't judge because of this. And this is a summary. It basically says, don't make an issue out of judging, but also don't let your liberty cause somebody else to stumble. And that's important. We do. We, there's a lot of liberty in the Lord, but we have to be careful. I, I would not want to cause someone else to lose out with the Lord simply because I felt like I had liberty in the area, but I couldn't hold back, or I didn't hold back because... I didn't have enough concern for my brother or sister. That, that's, that wouldn't be good. And uh, that's what Paul was saying. So he said, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. If you've been doing it, stop. That's what he said. <laughs> Don't do it anymore. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We're not to do that, not to judge others, and we're to live to a standard that God has given to us, but also uh, even within that standard that God has dealt with us about, if it's going to cause a brother or sister to fall, then Paul said you, you're going to be better off not to do that particular thing. And maybe God gave you liberty to do. And uh, you just but you just don't you don't do it. Won't be sin, but it but it might Call somebody else to fall. Now, look at verse 14 and 15. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. There is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, and remember food here is just an example or another thing, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. It's, it's important for us uh, to walk in love. Part of walking in love is making sure that your fellow Christian is okay. And that, that's, that's what Paul's saying here. Don't destroy them. Now, in this instance, don't go have a steak dinner in front of them. 
Because he's saying, you know, some of them are struggling with, with eating meat. So don't get out your grill and fire it up and cook you a medium well steak or medium rare steak, whatever it is you like. Don't do that. Why? Because there is a higher calling of God on our life. And while we might be able to live and do these certain things, God's saying, live like me, let's be like Jesus, and let's love everybody. That's, that's pretty much what he's saying. Verses 16 through 18. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So Paul's saying it's not about all these little things that I just brought up. The eating, whether you eat or drink, don't, or whether you drink or don't drink. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. We're to serve the Lord and not judge each other and use our liberty to build each other up and not to tear each other down. We're called to build each other up, help each other out, and not tear each other down. Not to talk about people when they're not around, not to talk about them behind, behind their back. Uh, we're to build them up. We're to pray for them. If we all did that, we'd be better off. Because if you're talking about somebody's fault or failure behind their back, you probably got one just as big. And they're probably talking about yours. So let's just all get over ourselves. Pretty much what Paul's saying here, right? Uh, let's just all get over ourselves and build each other up instead of tearing each other down. How do you do that? Love them and pray for them. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. I have certain people that I have that I struggle more with than others. Certain personalities that just don't really click with mine. You know, we all have those little seekers who's about ourselves. But what I've found is rather than if I center on, man, if they would just quit doing this, one thing I could get along with. If I started praying for them, then it's really hard to talk about somebody that you're praying for. And by the way, anytime you're talking about someone instead of to them, you're probably going down the wrong path. Because the Bible tells us to go to our brother and sister if, if we can't just get over it, right? Uh, and it's something that is a sin and we need to one-on-one -on -one lovingly talk about that with them, talk to them. Verses 19 through 21. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Wow. That's pretty stringent, isn't it? That's, he said, if it's going to offend your brother, don't do it. It's pretty strict. Let's read the last two verses here. 
verses 22 through 23. Concluding principle of faith is what this is about. So Paul's building to a point of to talk about faith. Saying, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. You do have liberty, but don't use it to uh, cause your brother to stumble. Then he comes upon this concluding statement about, do you have faith? That's a strange question. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. So, what's this talking about? I've got faith that this is not wrong for me to do. This particular, I'm not saying what that is. This particular thing, I've got, that's what Paul's saying. I've got faith that this is not wrong for me to do, but yet, don't tell everybody about that. That's what he's saying. Have that to yourself. For happy is he who doesn't condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. It goes back to what we started at the beginning. If you're condemned, you're convicted by a certain thing that other people <coughs> must have a freedom to do, then you still don't have liberty to do it. Because the Holy Spirit, that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit. The comforter, the one that comes alongside. All of those things, but he's also, part of his job is to convict us of the way that we should go or not go. So the Bible tells us to raise up a child in the way that it should go, he or she should go. What does that mean? Not every child's alike. And as a parent, we have a responsibility to raise up child A this way and child B this way. I'm not talking about right from wrong, sin, and all that. I'm talking about there's a path that is going to bring out all of the things that God has placed into that, that young child, and you're, that's the way you're supposed to raise them. Now the Holy Spirit comes along, and he's doing the same thing for us. You ever thought about it that way? There's a path for you that's a little different from the path for me. And the Holy Spirit might chide you in one area that he doesn't mean, or chide me in one area that he doesn't you, but it's all because he knows us. And he wants to bring out those things that will benefit the kingdom and benefit us as well. So let me read that. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. But if he does not eat from, from faith, or whatever is not from faith, is sin. If you break your conscience, or if you break what the Holy Spirit has told you not to do, it is sin. That's what this says. And you and the Holy Spirit will mess you up. <laughs> a, a sinner can have a seared conscience, and they can have, I think there's different levels. Some not convicted of this and are of that, and just different things, but God gives us a conscience for a reason. And God gives us the Holy Spirit for a reason. And they're all for uh, the benefit of the kingdom and for uh, each. Name two reasons a person might refuse to eat meat. Feared it was offered to an idol or that it was kosher. These are Jewish people. So, uh, number two, who does Paul consider the weaker brother? The one who has a stricter thought 
pattern that's more legalistic and that's acting not in love. Question three, according to verses three and four, why is it inappropriate to judge our brothers? We're not their masters. Same question, verses five and six. What's the answer? Because some things are a matter of conscience. Question five, did you notice these are all the same? But they are based on different scriptures. According to verse 10, 10 through 12, why are we not to judge? We're going to face judgment ourselves someday. Question six, summarize verse 13 in your own words. Don't judge one another for the reasons that he just gave, those three. But don't let your liberty cause somebody to stop. You can run it in your own words, however you want to do that. But that's that's what I put. Question seven. This is just fill in the blank. There is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Same answer, three different times. Like I did that? Question eight, we're to use our liberty to what? Build each other up, not to tear each other down. And then finally, just fill in the blank from the very last phrase in this uh, chapter 14. Whatever is not from faith is sin.